The Word of the Lord, according to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid on them cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, and stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of this life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Acts of the Apostles that I just read, finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the second Sunday of Easter, Speaking the Words of Life. A commentator once shared an interesting anecdote about her life growing up in the Ozarks of Missouri, and it referred to the importance of the porch on the front of her grandmother's house. As she related the story, she told how the porch was the place to be when you wanted to find out the gossip in town. But this was no place for the children. It was strictly for adults. And try as she might, if they knew she was listening in from the adjoining room, they would scold her and, ironically enough, shoo her away for not minding her own business. I remember the porches in my life growing up. This was usually where my mom and her sisters and grandma would likewise sit. And being good Christian women, I'm sure they were not uncharitably gossiping there. And we were never shooed away if we wanted to sit and have tea with them. But I usually grew quickly bored with the conversation and being refreshed with the tea, I would find my way back to the hoop to play basketball or the yard to play touch football. But I never forgot the importance of that place for conversation and adult talk. Till this day, I relish the thought of having a wraparound porch again, like my favorite old cracker home in Umatilla. But because that's simply not in the cards for Marcy and me right now, I meticulously maintain my patio in the front yard for the rare evenings we get to sit under our two cathedrals of oak trees, shading this important place of rest and talk time for us. Just the other night, there was just enough of a breeze to shoo the gnats away, and we got to wave to people walking by as relaxed like we have not relaxed in a long time. It was cathartic and restorative all at the same time. Today, the apostles 
seem to have found a similar refuge in Solomon's portico, or porch, if you will. This was right outside the main temple complex. This area appears to be a place where Jew and Gentile alike could gather and receive the benefits of the apostles' healing ministry. So, it wasn't a classic place for them to relax. Rather, it shows us in the text today they were working hard with many signs and wonders. And initially, it appears to be going well. Many were being healed, and even those who didn't choose to join them specifically still regarded them highly and even lifted them up by honoring them. People can do that, you know. They don't necessarily see it as something for themselves, but they can agree that what is happening by all outside markers appears to be good. I'll never forget Ron Fink, the former senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran in Orlando, about 25 years ago. He told an interesting story about how he started a special service, a jazz liturgy, to minister to the artistic crowd in downtown Orlando. And I remember going to it as a vicar, and I got to tell you, it was awesome. Granted, he had an instrumental group comprised of Disney professional musicians, but even then, he had cleverly staged them off-center in the front so they would not distract from the cross, and they made beautiful liturgy songs, not obnoxious rock and roll or 7-Eleven songs. You know, seven words sung 11 times in a row. It was all perfectly complimentary to our classic divine service. Pastor Fink told us the story one time of how a lady in the congregation told him that she joined the church because of that service. But Pastor Fink was puzzled because he never once saw her in that service. Oh, he saw her in other services, but never in that one. When he conveyed this, his confusion to her, well, she replied, well, it's not for me, but it's good that we do a service that helps us reach out the community we're in. That's why I joined this church. I could tell it really cared about the community around them and where I live. So the apostles had just such an appreciation, even if the appreciative ones dared not join them. Times were good. The porch meetings were effective. The multitudes were coming. And they honored or joined them, having their loved ones healed and unclean spirits cast out. But I tell you, bitter jealousy was brewing, and their time of unfettered ministry was about to come to an end. And I would suggest that God seems to have intended it that way. However long this was happening, it got the attention of the high priest of the temple and the Sadducees. One important thing to remember about the Sadducees is that they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They had previously arrested the Apostle Peter for specifically preaching that Jesus was risen from the dead, but had to release him because of the obvious miracles they could perform, and for the fact they found no actual crime to punish them with. All they could do was instruct them to say it no more, an admonition to which Peter himself responded by saying, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. 
So, if the Sadducees are showing up at Solomon's portico, you can just imagine what the apostles were saying, what they were sharing, and what they saw. No porch in Missouri, Nebraska, or Umatilla had stories to tell like this one did. In fact, they were so offensive to the spiritual authorities, they were arrested for it. My dear brothers and sisters, this is happening around the world today. The message of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is so powerful that governing agencies are arresting people just for saying it in public. Whether it's the house churches in China that are being disbanded and their pastors arrested, whether it's the Muslim-controlled countries that prohibit Christians for talking about their faith, or the Janjaweed militia that murdered 1.5 million Sudanese Christians and even crucified some of them. The proclamation that Jesus has risen from the dead can and will be opposed by many that understand its power to change the world for the good of all humankind. And we should never think for a moment that it couldn't happen here. If we proclaim clearly Jesus risen from the dead, we not only can, but will be persecuted. The apostles call on us to stop fearing the inevitable consequence of our faith and take heart. Just like angels are watching over them, so we have our angels watching over us. Regardless of what happens, our faith will not be tested more than we can bear. For God has sent us to proclaim his word, just like he told the apostles to, through his emissary angel that released them from the prison of evil, manipulative men. Therefore, we do what we do in the light of day instead of the dark of night. We operate and proclaim Christ in the light of day so those who do not know he is risen can join us in the eternal chorus of the church. Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. And even if we are actively persecuted for doing that in the light of day, just like the apostles were, we will be afforded every protection possible to accomplish the mission of clearly proclaiming his word. I don't know if you noticed it when you came to church today, but you entered a mission nearly 70 years in the making. It started in the basement of the Eustace Library with just a few charter members. I wonder what would have happened had they not left the comfort of that basement almost 70 years ago. Like the apostles today, I don't think they had a choice. I know none of them had to be released from prison, but they were forced out of their comfort zone from that humble location to the little church building on 19 to what we have today. And they did it because we can't stand still. The gospel of Jesus' resurrection from the dead forced us up and out, just like the angel of the Lord released them from prison and off Solomon's portico all the way around the world. The theme of the campaign to build the sanctuary completed in 1984, are you ready for this? Was forward by faith. 
Many of you probably remember the level of stress that took to accomplish the discomfort with difficult decisions for the sake of the gospel. How many of you remember how much easier it was in a simple basement or a smaller building? But that wasn't what God wanted, even if that is what you wanted. For God, there is no retreat. There is no standing still. There is only forward. That's why I believe we have no choice but to go forward. God will always force us forward because ultimately he doesn't want us to stay on the porch. He wants us out there where it's uncomfortable, open for everyone to see, and even possibly dangerous, standing out in front of our proverbial temples and speaking the words of life. Amen.